Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. This morning, I want you to write this down for a subject, the cure, the cure for a thirsty soul. The cure for the thirsty soul. What did I just say? The cure for the thirsty soul. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We honor you. We adore you. We exalt you above all. We give you preeminence. We say, have your way. Let's go, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. And do it only how you can do it. I'm just a vessel for your usage. I decrease that you might increase. Now do whatever you want to do through me. Minister to the hearts of your people. Speak to them only what you know how to speak with specificity. Let us all leave here transformed and changed for the better. In Jesus' name, amen. The Urban Dictionary defines thirsty as too eager to get something. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> too eager to get something. Desperate. Everybody say desperate. desperate. Say that again, desperate. desperate. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be desperate. Don't be desperate. <laughs> don't be desperate. This desperation could be in reference to anything. This, um, this is still, I'm still referencing the Urban Dictionary. It says that this desperation could reference compliments. That you're desperate for validation. That you're desperate for attention. Can somebody else name some things we could be desperate about? Friends and followers on social media. We'll do, come on now, y'all know we'll do anything to get some friends. But it is quite often used by popular culture to specifically refer to being desperate for intimacy, if you will, or relations. Now you adults know what I'm talking about when I say relations. Here's an example from the Urban Dictionary. If a guy was on Tinder, which is supposedly uh, a popular dating site or dating app, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've been dating the same person for 28 years. But Tinder, this popular dating app, and the example that the Urban Dictionary gives is, and this guy is swiping right on every girl that he's seen. And he's messaging all of his matches in a manner that could be considered overeager. Now, those girls that he's messaging or his friends, when they find out about it, they might call him work. What? 
thirsty. Somebody said, don't be thirsty. Matthew 5, 6, the NIV says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they what? For they shall be filled. The Passion Translation, I love the Passion Translation. It says in verse 6, how enriched you are when you crave righteousness. For you will be satisfied. That's something I see in this generation. It's hard to satisfy people. The Amplified Classic Translation says in verse 6, blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, for they shall be completely satisfied. You see, it's not in the amount of friends that you get on Facebook that's going to completely satisfy you. It's not about how dope your TikTok can be uh, tomorrow morning and how many uh, hundreds of thousands of followers that start following you because of that dope video that you just dropped that, that makes you completely satisfied. Because after you get those 100,000 followers, what I've seen is that there's still dissatisfaction. There's still, there's still dissatisfaction. And so we see here in John chapter 4, and I want you to bring your attention to this passage for a moment. John 4, we're going to hang our hat here in verse 1. And we all know if you've been in church any length of time, I know Bishop has ministered from this text, is, is this is Jesus. He's getting ready to have an encounter with a Samaritan woman. And it says in verse 1, and we're going to do some reading. Y'all don't mind if we do some reading this morning, right? It says in verse 1, the news quickly reached, and this is reading out of the Passion Translation, John 4, verse 1. It says, the news quickly reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized in John. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize, but only his disciples. Jesus heard that was being said uh, and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. Verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well and sent his disciples into the village to buy food for it was already afternoon. So we have this scene set now where the disciples are gone and Jesus is ready to have this encounter with this woman who has no name. All we know her as is the woman at the well. And soon the Bible says a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now if you know anything about Samaria is that Samaritans didn't have nothing to do with the Jews. The Jews, uh, they reference Samaritans uh, as low as dogs. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was not a good thing. It was like the Hatfields and the McCoys. They, 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 they didn't want to have anything to do with each other. But Jesus, notice what he told his disciples. He said, and I'm going I'm, I'm to try my best not to holler this morning because this is, this is Youth Sunday. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I must 
go through Samaria. He says, I've got to. I need to go through Samaria. I was talking to mom this morning. She says, I love a good story. I love, I love to tell a good story. And, and, and here we have a good story here is that Jesus told his disciples, he says, I got to go through Samaria. I know we're not supposed to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the tradition was that Jews took the long way around to get to where they were going, to keep from having to go through Samaria. But Jesus, he intentionally said, I've got to go through Samaria. Mm. And so he went through Samaria. He came to the well. The woman, the Samaritan woman came up to the well to draw water. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth was, give me drink. She replied, verse 9, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am, you must not know about me. You must Can y'all imagine Jesus saying that? You, girl, you must not know. If you only knew who I am and the gift of God wants to give you, you ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. Oh, my God, I, just, I felt that one. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock. Jesus answered verse 13, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But, everybody shout but. If anyone drinks, the, I'm so glad he didn't say that, that if if a certain group or certain ethnicity of people drink or if a certain democratic party drink or a certain a certain a certain ethnicity drink or or if rich people drink or if only poor people drink he said if anyone somebody go help me preach if anyone drinks this water that I got to give them <laughs> they'll never thirst again hallelujah I said, hallelujah. <laughs> For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again. And won't have to come back here to draw water no more. Jesus said, go get your husband. Notice, notice, notice the transition. It wasn't even a good transition to me. Well, I won't say it good because anything Jesus does is good. But, but, but if, you, if, you're, if you're a school teacher, mom, it, it, it didn't seem like a good transition. It, it, it don't seem like it connected. The thoughts didn't connect. You over here talking about water, and now, Jesus, you're talking about show me your husband. You over here talking about being thirsty, and then you next, you're going to ask me about my husband. What does my husband have to do with my thirst? Everything. <laughs> because, girl, you done had so many, it's showing how thirsty you are. See, that's why Jesus, <laughs> I 
I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. He's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. Last night over dinner, we, we were talking about prodigies. Jesus was a prodigy because, see, Jesus, when he asked her to give him a drink, he knew where he was going. He had to bring her to some illumination of what was really happening in her life. She was thirsty. She was thirsty. Somebody said the girl was thirsty. <laughs> she was thirsty. She was thirsty. She was thirsty. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. She said, but I'm not married. Jesus said, that's true. For you've been married five times. And now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. <laughs> the woman, the Bible says, <laughs> the Passion Translation says she changed the subject, but Dexter put emphasis on it and said she quickly changed the subject. <laughs> you must be a prophet, she said. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where, see, 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 if you're not careful, religion will keep you from receiving your deliverance from God. How quick we are to get religious when God shows up to bring us our deliverance. When he shows up to free us, the Bible says, he whom the son is set free is free indeed. But we never walk into that freedom being religious. Are you saved? I'm Baptist. I heard so many people tell me that. What's salvation got to do with denomination? Are you saved? I go to Harvest Church. And you notice why our children are not flooding out the churches any longer. They don't even want to come to church halfway. We have to drag them here and thank God you do. Thank God you make them come because even when I didn't want to come, my mother, she said, no, you're going to church. As long as you're living in my house, you're going to church. Can we give it up for the parents and say, you're going to church? You going to church. I'm standing where I'm standing right now because Mama Maxine said, no, you going to church. Oh, yeah, you going to church. You going to church. So she got religious on them. She going to start talking about <laughs> mountains that you worship on. But your people, Jerusalem, they, they teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship. Who is right? Jesus responded, verse 21, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father, neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Now we're getting to the root of the issue. Jesus will always, always transition you from talking about natural, useless, unproductive, carnal realm stuff to bring you back to where transformation truly happens and transformation happens in your heart. Thank you for those free hand claps there. I said transformation happens in your heart. You see, our, our children would think church is more relevant if we stop trying to make our, our freedom and deliverance about being in the building and instead of the heart. 
Yes, I love the building, and we need to come to the building. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but we need to really focus more on what's happening in the heart. As some folks stay in the building and hearts jacked up. I'm sorry, was I supposed to say that word? My wife said, you're not supposed to say jacked up in church. Messed up. We got to bring, we got to be like Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be like anyway. We got to stop being the most popular preacher and trying to get, get everybody to follow us on IG. And we got to start doing like Jesus. We got to get people back to the root of the cause of why are you thirsty? You are not thirsty and chasing all of this stuff in the world because the church don't have no smoke and the church don't have the best lights. You are thirsty because of what's going on in your heart. I'm preaching real good. I'm preaching real good. I'm preaching real good. Mm. I'm just letting that marinate for a moment. Your people, Jesus said in verse 22, your people, they don't really know the one they worship. They don't know the one. See, they worship. They go to church, but they don't know. They, they don't know why they're going to church. They don't know the one that they're supposed to be going to church to work. They just going to church because it's a religious thing to do. They don't know the one they worship. <laughs> but we Jews, he said, worship out of our experience. For it is from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, I told y'all we was going to do some reading. Y'all still good? From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. All you got to do is read the Bible. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. In other words, the King James Version says that uh, he wants those, uh, he desires those who worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, verse 25, this is all so confusing to me. But I do know that the anointed one is coming. Oh, now he's bringing her to some illumination. See, the answer is already in you. Look at your neighbor and says, the answer you need is in you. What my wife has taught me as a coach, uh, she's a life coach, and uh, what she's taught me is that a coach never gives the answer. A coach, it just brings you to the illumination of the answer that's already in you. Say, the answer's already there. She said, this is confusing, but I do know one thing uh, is that I know that the anointed one, he is coming, the true Messiah, and when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Verse 26, Jesus told her, he says, you don't have to wait no longer. The anointed one is here speaking to you right now. I am the one you've been looking for. Somebody said, the one you've been looking for. What all your thirst has been about, he's here this morning. I dare y'all to help me preach. Come on, tell, tell somebody in case they just came to church just to be coming to church. Say, your answer is here this morning. If you need healing, he's here this morning. Come on, come on. If you need healing for your heart, he's here this morning. Come on, whatever you need, he's here this morning. Your joy is here this morning. Your peace is here this morning. Whatever you need, he's here this morning. 
The words you need, your answer, he's here this morning. Somebody shout, he's here. I didn't say it's here. I said, he's here. Shout, he's here. He's here, he's here, he's here. He's here, he's here. He's, he's, he's a reality. He's not a thing, he's a reality. He's not a thought, he's not a context, he's a reality. He's not a philosophy, he's a reality. Say, Jesus is real. Come on, we need this younger generation to know what I'm saying this morning. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Jesus is a reality. The word of God is a reality. The word of God is truth. The word of God is spirit glory to God. The word of God is eternal glory to God. And if you get a hold to it, you will never go searching for anything again. Somebody shout, is here. He's here, he's here, he's here. Come on, shout what you're looking for. He's here, he's here, he's here. Who, you, who you're looking for, he's here, he's here. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bring this to a close. I gotta bring this to a close. All we've been doing is reading. I said all we've been doing is reading. Try to calm down for about two minutes. See, God gave us thirst. Thirst is an emotion. I didn't know that, as, but as I've been studying this, thirst, I, I learned that thirst is an emotion. It's a feeling that we experience as a byproduct of our soul's makeup. And it assists us in giving our body what it needs to thrive. We are a tripartite being. Let me, let me take you to school just for a moment. We're spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. Our soul consists of three components, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Socrates, let's come on, let's go to school this morning a little bit. Socrates explains it this way. He says that our soul is made up of three parts, reason, spirit, and appetite. Scientists have categorized thirst as a homeostatic emotion. A homeostatic emotion is a class of feelings uh, such as pain, such as hunger, such as fatigue. I didn't know fatigue was an emotion, but it is. Fatigue, etc. A homeostatic emotion is a class of feelings evoked by an eternal body state. Jesus came to dwell. Jesus came to the well that day to validate the woman's thirst. He didn't come to deny her thirst. He did not come to disapprove of her thirst. He came to validate her thirst. Say thirst is good. Jesus came to bring a You see how the world would take something that's good and make it negative? It, they're always diametrically opposed to whatever God implements always. God gave us thirst. He gave us thirst to help us. But now, now what the world has done is taken that word and attributed it to people who are overeager and desperate. And we call them thirsty. And now people try not to be thirsty when the problem is not the thirst. The problem is what you're reaching for. 
Uh, Jesus came to bring attention to thirst. Verse 8, he says, give me a drink. Being thirsty is a good thing. Your thirst is communicating to you what your body needs. Your body can actually go much longer without food than it can water. Scientists have found that in general, a human can only survive for about three days without water. So being thirsty is good. Jesus didn't talk about being hungry. Notice, he never said anything about being hungry. I'm sure he was hungry because he sent the disciples. They had already been on a long trip to Samaria. Samaria was the long way around it, and they said, we got to go get some food because we're all hungry. And Jesus said, okay, take some money and go get some food. So I'm sure he was sitting on that well hungry, but he never said anything about hunger. Jesus sent his disciples to get the food. But no, Jesus was there to highlight the need to quench thirst. Jesus, his intent was to bring the woman to some illumination that you've been reaching for the wrong stuff. You've been reaching for men when you were supposed to be reaching for me. You've been reaching for Facebook followers when you're supposed to be reaching for me. You've been reaching for ideas on the dopest video to drop on TikTok when you're supposed to be reaching for me. You've been reaching for six jobs so that you can afford that Louis Vuitton that you had no business in the first place going in there to get when you need to be reaching for me. Because you thirsty for validation. You thirsty for people to say something good about you. Because your daddy didn't say nothing good about you when you were small. Because your mama, she didn't say nothing. That's why you and your mother don't have a good relationship to this day. Because, because you don't feel like you receive what you need to receive from her. And so now you're trying to get it out of people and relationships. When I told you the only one who can satisfy your need, he's here this morning, but it ain't Jimmy sitting next to you. His name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. In other words, Jesus was trying to help the woman to see that what she needed was not going to come from the carnal natural realm. What she needed was spiritual. The water she came there seeking was not the solution for her thirst. My concern as I look around the landscape of the culture in which we live is that people are reaching for the wrong thing, trying to acquire an experience, an experience to bring soul satisfaction. Big titles won't work. Fat checking in savings account won't do it. The next best drug won't satisfy because you'll keep wanting more. Not all the friends and followers that you can get to follow you on social media, it won't do it. Somebody say, it won't do it. If all you're doing is reaching for natural material things and trying to experience the next best exhilarating thing life has to offer, you're going to come up far short in trying to cure the thirsty soul. The woman had a natural source to get all the water she needed, the well, but she was still thirsty. Jesus showed her the utter emptiness of the water she had been reaching for. That water represented material things, religion, dead-end relationships, unproductive things. What she was needing was the living water. Say, give me some of that water. Come on, say it again. Give me some of that as I wind this down. Come on, say it again. Give me some of that. Give me some of that. Come on, give me some of that. 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 Come on, come on, give me some. I ain't talking about no drug. I'm talking about living water. Water, living water, living water. It's another drug, actually. It's another drug. It's another drug. It, it makes you happy when you're supposed to be sad. It, it gives you peace when you're supposed to be having a nervous breakdown. 
Come on, living water, living water. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, the Passion Translation, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help to you. The words I speak to you, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life, but there are still some of you who won't believe. There are many in this culture in which we live, they like the idea of God, but they deny the power of his operation in their life to change and transform their lives. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, the Passion Translation says, they may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. <laughs> the Bible says, stay away from people like that. Young people, stay away from people like that. Individuals and families have experienced and are experiencing this whole aftershock of this covid environment that we've been living in and and I believe that God allowed it for a period of time to shut us down to get us still enough to stop reaching for all this other stuff we've been reaching for and to get us to start focusing on living water again see I started out talking about the thirst and then I went to talking about the water, but I'm ending talking about the reach. Because you can have water, but if you don't reach for it, it does you no good. Water can be right there for you to drink. I, I know I've done it myself. I'm basically done, but I'm telling you, if there's a Coca-Cola bottle, or it used to be, because I don't, I don't drink that anymore, but uh, it used to be a Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, and water, guess what Dexter was reaching for? Coca-Cola and Dr. Pepper. It's just like a, we're still reaching for the wrong stuff. Somebody say, it's in your reach. Good God Almighty. Oh. Say it again. It's in your reach. Say whatever you need from God. It's within your reach. Come on, say it's within your reach. I'm on the end with this. Go ahead and stand to your feet. In Matthew chapter 12, there was a man with a palsied hand. There was a man, I told you I'd like stories, there was a man with a palsied hand and Jesus came up on that man and it was the Sabbath. And Jesus knew that the religious crowd was around and he knew what he was getting ready to do. And so Jesus Christ asked him a question before he did it. He said, he said, listen, is it right to heal someone on the Sabbath? And the Bible says he shut them up. They couldn't say a word. And when he shut them up, then that's when Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. Now, the Bible says that he was born that way. And so how, how in the world could you have never done anything with this arm? And it's been paralyzed. Palsy means paralysis. It's been paralyzed like this, and there's been no mobility, no function in this arm, and Jesus asked you to do something you've never done before. Younger generation, I want to tell you something, that Jesus this morning, he is asking some of you to do something that you've never done before, that he's never asked you to do before. If you're going to go places that you've never went before and get things you've never gone before, you got to be willing to do things you've never done before before. 
God will always ask you, he will always pull you outside of your comfort zone. He says, stretch forth your hand. Can you imagine? As soon as he said, stretch forth. Faith rose up in that man. And let me tell you something. A man or a woman full of faith can't be stopped. Say they can't be stopped. You see, when, when your thirst directs you to start reaching for the right thing, when your thirst directs you to start reaching for the right thing, that thing that had you paralyzed and bound? Do you know that man never asked Jesus for healing? Can you find anywhere in the Bible where it was recorded that the palsy man said, Jesus, you know, the blind man said it. But that man never asked Jesus to heal him. Jesus looked at him and saw a need. And he knew that, see, you can be so thirsty that you stop you stop asking for the situation to be changed, but you acclimate yourself to it. See, palsied, palsied people, when they're in that state so long, they start acclimating how to get things done with that hand like that. And so we start acting like somebody God didn't create us to be. When he says, I got whatever you need, I got. All you got to do is reach for the right thing. When that man reached out his hand, he was changed for the rest of his life. I want to challenge you to reach this morning. I want to challenge you young people to never stop reaching for greater. Never stop reaching for greater. Did you hear what I said? Never stop reaching for greater. Never stop reaching for the greater one. Those watching us online, never stop reaching for the greater one. The Bible says greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. See, we're reaching for all these other things, and they might be good, and that's the whole point. You say, well, pastor, but they're good, but it's not the greater. And all I'm challenging you to do this morning is to start reaching for the greater. Start reaching for the greater. I was reaching for God when he brought my wife into my life. I wasn't reaching to get married. I was reaching for God. And he brought my wife into my life. She was doing the exact same thing. I'm talking about simultaneously. We were both reaching for him. It was like he, he just did this with us. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Young people, I'm calling you not back to church. I'm calling you back to the kingdom. Is the church a part of the kingdom? Absolutely. But I'm calling you back to the kingdom of God. As sons and daughters of God, not just as members of Harvest Church. I know you may have grown up in Harvest Church, but sooner or later, God is going to have to become your God and not the God of Steve Halp Sr., but he's got to be your God. I was driving to church this morning, 
And I was looking around Kansas City and I said, whoa, if something don't happen, if something don't happen, if something don't happen, because see, the light of Steve Haupt has held this city up. But see, still, Steve Haupt won't live forever. And I know we all don't want to ever face that day. But it's the truth. Neither, nobody in this room will live forever. And so we must have a generation that's got to start reaching like Stevie Haupt. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.